0: In my first parish where I served as rector, a wonderful parish, also named St. John's in Decatur, Alabama, I had a very part-time assistant named Father Milt Glore. Father Milt had retired from the parish up the road in Muscle Shoals and came um, to to give us a few hours of, of work each week. Father Milt was in his 70s. I was about 30 years old, so... Uh, I can't speak for him, but I'm certain I needed him more, or at least as much as he needed me. Father Milt's great love in this parish was pastoral visitation. What he spent the bulk of his time doing each week was visiting people in nursing homes, assisted livings, or hospitals. That was the main reason why he worked with us. He loved being with people. Preaching was actually not his love although he had done a lot of it over several decades of ministry. Father Milt was a preacher who preached from a manuscript. He had um, a file full of old sermons. He would sometimes create new ones and sometimes not. And I vividly remember once on Good Friday, he preached. And as I sat there near the altar, I listened and I thought, I think I've heard this one before. And indeed, I had. He had preached the exact same sermon the year before on Good Friday. When I was at the door after the service, someone said, a parishioner with a great sense of humor, I think, I think he preached that one last year. And I said, indeed, he did. Father Milt was concerned we weren't listening. <laughs> John's gospel is a lot like Father Milt. John as a preacher, repeats himself. This gospel reading, John 15, we get the words, abide or remain in Christ. Abide in me. And the wonderful voluntary that our organist played for us picks up on just that theme. John loves this word. He loves it so much that he repeats it over and over again. Forty times in John's gospel, the word Abide or remain is used by him. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke combined, they use this word 12 times, but 40 in John's. One scholar defines this word abide or remain as deep attachment. Deep attachment. And the only thing I would add to that is deep attachment over the long haul, implicit in this verb, is abiding in Christ for a long time, even for eternity. John loves this word because it's the theme of so many of his stories. The wedding in Cana of Galilee, for example, when Jesus attends the wedding and at the reception following the wine, they run out of wine, Jesus somehow mysteriously finds more, and even more mysteriously, the wine gets better. The best wine is served not first, but last. An incredible image or symbol for how some things in life, over time, some relationships can actually get better. Or later in John's Gospel, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus dies. And it's it's an image of, of Jesus abiding or remaining with us in our grief, in our very ordinary emotions, relating to us, remaining with us even now. Or in the resurrection, saying mysteriously and out of the darkness to Mary Magdalene, just whispering her name. And that becomes the word, that becomes the moment of intimacy that allows her to recognize him, speaking as he is from the other side of death. And it's a symbol, it's, it's an image, it's a story that's about God in Christ holding us dear forever, abiding with us in eternity that all that we are and all that we hold dear will not be lost. It also relates to this agricultural image of the vine and the branches. The vine and the branches, a common image from Jesus' day and age. And I find it so comforting that in this image, implicit in this image is a promise that Christ will grow with us, will stay with us, no matter what happens. That over time, Christ will grow with us as we face and feel the changes and chances of this life. It's not just a promise for the present moment, but for all of time. And the vine produces wine or joy. I'm sure that St. John's has heard the sermon before that joy is not the same thing as happiness. I've heard that sermon repeated many times myself. I will not repeat it in part because I don't know that I actually agree with it. Joy is certainly um, always more than happiness, but perhaps it's never less than happiness, but we're splitting hairs. I do believe that what this gospel reading is offering us, though, that relates to joy is that there is deep joy and maybe even peace of mind in coming to trust that you were loved infinitely in Christ, in coming to trust that you always abide in Christ no matter what you face and feel. And you do that not because of your faith, not because of, your, fair, because of your, your, your prayers, and least of all because you attempt to be religious. That we're able to abide in Christ because Christ first abides in us. In other words, the heavy lifting of the vine and the branches has been done by Almighty God. As Jesus says, my Father is the vine grower. We're able to abide in Christ because Christ is already in us. Christ already relates to all that we are. Christ already is one with us in mind, body, and soul, and maybe even in what we feel, our emotional life. The great 20th century Cistercian, Thomas Merton picked up on this very theme in a a great and little book called Thoughts on Solitude, and it's a book that's written for for all of us, not just for religious, but for people who who think about the moments in our lives in which we, we face solitude, whether that solitude is chosen or not. But in this particular moment that relates so much to this passage, Merton Says that the soul of Jesus is united to the Word of God and at the same time enjoys and without conflict enjoys the most simple and common and intimate of human emotions affection, happiness, grief, wonder, anxiety peace. Jesus enjoys all, relates to all of these human emotions. And that's why we can abide in Christ over the long haul. Not because of our faith or hard work or even our prayers. but Because what we face and feel among the changes and chances of this life, Christ relates to all of it. So John is right. Some things bear repeating. Abide in Christ as Christ abides in you.